Hello and welcome again to Reading Together, as we are concluding our reading of Heaven Taken by Storm by Thomas Watson. And so hopefully this will not be our last time reading through a book together, but we'll discuss that a little bit more at the end. But this is the conclusion of our book. You will find, um, after as we are looking at chapters 18 and 19 today, but you will find at the end of the book that there are two appendices. Appendix 1 is uh, titled, The Happiness of Drawing Near to God, and it is a sermon from Watson over Psalm, 70, Psalm 73, verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. And then the second appendix is another sermon by Watson titled, How We May Read the Scriptures with the Most Profit. And it's from Deuteronomy 17, 19, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of his law and these statutes, to do them. Mm. So those two sermons at the end are not part of the actual um, book that, as Watson wrote it, right? The, the actual book, Heaven Taken by Storm, concludes with chapter 19, but they were included by the publisher, Solideo Gloria Publications, which is an imprint of Reformation Heritage Books. Um, because these two, because those two sermons um, very much continue and expound upon the themes that have been presented in this book, and so um, while I don't have any any immediate plans um, to, uh, to 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 do a recording like this over um, those last two sermons, I do highly highly suggest um, that you um, that you do read over them as they are um, very good sermons and gives you another um, another good feel for. Um, for Watson, not just as a writer of books, but but as how he preached to his people, right? And so we're looking at chapters 18 and 19. Chapter 18, which is where we will begin, is titled Directions on How to Promote Offering Violence. And so here in this chapter, Watson essentially returns back to the first half of the book. He gives us one final look at some means by which we can offer violence, which if you remember at the beginning of the book, he broke it down into four parts, right? We offer violence to um, ourselves, to Satan, to the world, and to heaven, right? And uh, that first category, offering violence to ourselves, he spent the most time in um, breaking down, going, walking through what we would today call uh, spiritual disciplines or the means of grace, things like prayer and reading the word, hearing the word, having holy conversation with other brothers and sisters in Christ or meditation, self-examination, right? And so now he's kind of giving us this kind of um, final sort of shotgun spray of nine directions that we can offer in which we can offer violence for heaven. And so the nine that he gives to us are keep up daily prayer, get under lively preaching, get your hearts filled with love to religion, be vigilant, bind your hearts to God by sacred vows, be sure to make going to heaven your business, have heaven continually in your eye, keep company with such as are violent, never leave till you have the spirit. And so as we have been doing, let's take a, brief, uh, uh, a very brisk walk through this chapter, and then we'll do the same thing with chapter 19. So first of all, he tells us to keep up daily prayer, which he has already written a chapter about prayer. And so he's just giving us um, in, 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 in sort of one paragraph, one final little direction of, of make sure that you keep praying, right? And he gives us this 
this powerful list of how prayer helps Christians, right? Some of the highlights being prayer is the bellows that blows up the affections and a Christian is most active when his affections are most violent. Or that the motion of a watch may be quicker, the spring must be wound up. Christian, wind up your heart every day by prayer. Then he ends saying, Christian, Christians lay aside prayer or leave off fervency in it. Then by degrees they lose their violence. And haven't you found that true in your own life? That when you slack in your prayer, you find yourself less fervent for the things of God, right? I think this is true. I think we see this in the Lord's Prayer when Christ's disciples told, uh, asked Christ to teach them to pray. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The fourth petition of that prayer is to give us our daily bread, right? And so just as, and so the implication of that petition is that we should at least be daily in prayer, praying for the Father to meet our needs, praying for the Father to give us our, both our physical and our spiritual provision, just as the Israelites in the wilderness, they could not carry their manna over, store their manna over till the next day. In the same way, the grace that God gives us to walk out our sanctification, the grace that he gives us each day to take up our cross and to follow after Christ, it does not last until tomorrow. Each day we must come to God for renewed strength, for renewed grace. And prayer is one of the main vehicles by which we come into the throne of God to receive the strength that he promises to give to us. And so, keep up daily prayer. Two, he says, if you'll be violent for heaven, get under lively preaching. Mm. As a preacher myself, I am very quick to say yes and amen to this. The word is quick and powerful. It puts life into a dead heart. It is both a sword to cut down sin and a spur to quicken grace. The word is a fire to thaw a frozen heart. And then he makes this point, very sobering point. It is almost as good to be without preaching as to be under preaching, as will not warm us. Hmm. So warning to me as a preacher that I pray that my that my proclamation of the word of God would always be the kind of 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 delivery, the kind of message, the kind of proclaiming of God's word that would warm up God's people. Because it is true that, that, that a preacher who is not proclaiming God's word, who is not who is not proclaiming the warmth of that word, it's almost, almost just as good to be without preaching as to be in the presence of that kind of scare quotes preaching, right? And so, if you would like to be violent for heaven, get under lively preaching. Preaching that warms your heart, stirs you up with, into the duties that Christ has set before us. The next thing that he says, is uh, the third direction, is get your hearts filled with love to religion. And so this is, uh, like many things that Watson has said so far, this is a point that does that's likely not to resonate um, too quickly with modern day ears because religion is something of a dirty word today, right? We don't think much about 
we don't think much good things about religion, right? And in fact, many today see Christ as almost a sort of non-religious religious figure, uh, fig- figure right? Um, we see that Christ, uh, Christ's rebuke of the Pharisees is almost seen as as him uh, coming to right, uh, as him coming to destroy um, the religious systems of his day, right? Or, or how many times have you heard this before? That Christ did not come to bring us religion; he came to bring to bring us a relationship with God, right? Well, there's something true in that, that that dry, dead religion. Christ did indeed come to kill that, right? That's why he so frequently attacked the Pharisees with his words, right? Calling them hypocrites because most of much of their doctrine was sound, but their doctrine didn't seep into their lives. It was a it was a it was a, a dead, dry religion and a religion that didn't do any good for them, right? They believed much of the right things, but they didn't live it, and that's why they were hypocrites, right? But Christ didn't and Christ did come to give us a relationship to the Father. He did come to restore our communion with God. That's how we are able to pray in the first place. And yet, religion itself isn't bad. Christ did not come to just destroy religion altogether. He came to give us the true religion. He came to restore us back to the Father, and he came to and he came to to to, to not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law for us. So that now, so that now the the law of God is not some uh, is not is not a burden that is placed upon our backs that we can never hope to achieve, which is exactly what it is before Christ. But now, because Christ has fulfilled the law, because he has fulfilled the duties of religion on our part, now the law is is lovely to us. Now we can express with the psalmist of Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my delight, my meditation all the day. Right? And so, Christ does come to give us a relationship to God, but he does come to give us the true religion, to give us, to, to, to keep us from the hypocritical, dry, dead religion of the Pharisees, right? And so Watson tells us to get your hearts filled with love to religion. And he has a very Augustinian line here. A man will be violent for nothing but what he loves. It's exactly what Augustine um, believed, right? Augustine saw that the problem of sin um, is not just behavior, that we need so much more than just strategies for fighting sin. We need a renewed love. The problem is that we love sin and we hate God. And so that's exactly what we, that's the, that's the, the only solution that is powerful enough to, 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 to save us is for Christ to come in and give us new affections, for him, to, for him to help us to hate our sin and give us the grace to love him instead, right? Love, Watson says, is like oil to the wheels. Get love for religion and you will never be weary. You will count those best hours which are spent with God. He that digs in a silver vein sweats, yet love for the silver makes his sweat like makes his labor delightful. Mm. Can you say that that is so with your time spent with God, that time spent with God is sweet. It may be labor. It may cause you to 
sweat, but oh, it is sweet because it is spent with God. The next point that he makes is that we must be vigilant, um, where he says in there the reason there is so little violence in religion is because so little vigilance. Our sleeping time is Satan's tempting time, right? Mm. The next one that he does um, is that he says, we must bind your hearts to God by sacred vows. And this is a, a very interesting point um, because as believers, we should take vows very seriously. There are many vows that we shouldn't take, right? Um, before the Lord vowing um, upon the Lord. But Watson does say, no question but a Christian may make such a vow because the ground of it is a is morally good. He vows nothing but what he is bound to do, namely to walk more closely with God, right? Since so that's the nature of this vow that Watson is saying, um, or he says a little bit before that, he then looks upon himself as under a special obligation that quickens endeavor, right? That's the purpose of this vow that Watson is, is telling us to make, right? We're already, we're already called to follow after Christ, and so we're not vowing to do anything differently than what we are called to do. But what does a vow do? Well, it, it gives us kind of a special obligation, right? It kind of holds our feet to the fire a little bit more than what we previously thought. But he gives us this reminder that needs to be before us. And he says, only remember that we do not vow in our own strength, but Christ. We must confide in him as well for strength as for righteousness. Oh, brothers and sisters, how much do we need to remember that? That we not only rely upon Christ for our righteousness, for our justification, but we rely upon him daily for our strength to walk out our sanctification in him. Next, he tells us to be sure to make heaven, make going to heaven your business. And he says, he explains this, right? He says that when a man is doing something, when he, when he has his business, right, he's always going to be diligent to do it because his business, his trade, his profession is how he makes his living, right? His, his, his livelihood is tied to his business, to his trade. And so we, as believers, we should be violent in the business of heaven. We should make heaven our main thing. And he quotes Jesus from Luke chapter 10, verse 42, one of my favorite texts, where Jesus says, one thing is needful. And Watson says, this is the one thing to get Christ in heaven. This is the end. This is the end we came into the world for. If we could thus look upon the things of eternity as our business, the one thing, how earnest should we be in the pursuit of them? Mm. Mm. Is that, do you see heaven as your one thing, right? I love, um, there's a book by Joe Bernard that I read this year called The Way Forward. And in there, he talks about this. He says that many people ask him, um, what is his, what is his, his one piece of advice that he could give to, uh, young men that he would, uh, that, that, that he would be discipling. And he says that it's this, like there's something so beautiful about this, that there is one thing that is needful. 
There's only one thing that needs to be done, and that's pursue Christ. Now, are there going to be all these other implications for following Christ? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, he says that Christianity, following after Christ, it is challenging, but it is not complicated. We only need to do one thing, and that is get Christ, follow Christ, pursue him. That's it. So make heaven your business, <laughs> right? Or, as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you, right? Let's pursue this one thing, and the rest will fall into place. Next, he says, have heaven continually in your eyes. This is very much a piggyback onto that other one, right? And he says, gives this wonderful illustration. He says, the mariner has his hand to the stern and his eye to the star, since they were navigated by the stars, right? While we are working, let us have an eye to that place where Christ is, the bright morning star. How willingly a man wades through deep water when he sees dry land before him and is sure to be crowned as soon as he comes to shore. Mm. Mm. Do you have your eye to heaven, right? Take away the notion um, that is often said about the Christians are so heavenly minded that they are, no, that they are of no earthly good. That's um, not true heavenly, heaven, heavenly mindedness, right? True heavenly mindedness um, indeed gives us more strength to do the work that is set before us here in this life. And so cast away that thought, that thought of, 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 the, of the, we don't need to have an eye in heaven because we need to be focused here on the world at hand. No, no, no. God does care about the secular, right? But just as the mariner is, is constantly steering the ship, but how does he know which direction the ship is going to go? He has his eye upon the stars that are navigating him. And so in the same way, that is how the Christian needs to, be, needs to be as well. Our hands are constantly here on earth, but our eyes are navigating, are navigating our life in our, our, our work in this life by Christ who is seated with the Father in heaven. Hmm. Number two, the second to the last. Number eight, keep company with such as are violent. He's warned us a couple of times in this book against keeping company with those who are of the world. Now he tells us, and he, he's already told us, that holy conversation with other believers um, is a means of offering violence against ourselves. And now he tells us to keep company with such as are violent. And I love this, this point that he makes. When we want fire, we go to our neighbor's hearth and fetch fire. Often be among the godly, so you shall fetch some heat and quickening from them. He goes on to say, good company quickens. The holy discourse, an example of one saint, wets and sharpens another. Then mm. he concludes by saying, oh, let us not forget this article of, of our creed, the communion of saints. Mm. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. We need each other and when when one when one believer's fire for heaven is beginning to go out there is indeed almost no way to to fan 
that fire into a flame again, like being around other brothers and sisters whose flames are burning brighter than ours, because we will all go through different seasons, right? As you'll sort of touch on in the next chapter. And then finally, this is probably the most important point of this chapter, one of the most important points of this book. If you'll be violent, never leave till you have the Spirit. <laughs> Desire of God, Watson says, to put forth the sweet violence of his Spirit. The spouse begged for a gale of the Spirit. This is Song of Songs, uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. When God's Spirit blows upon us, then we go full sail to heaven. When the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels, then they moved. The wheels of our endeavor move a sp move apace when the spirit of God is in these wheels. Seeing there are so many violent winds of temptation blowing us backward, we must have the violent wind of God's spirit blowing us forward to heaven. Mm. Underline that, that, or highlight that last sentence. Seeing there are so many violent winds of temptation blowing us backward, we must have the holy, the violent wind of God's Spirit blowing us forward to heaven. There is no other way. There is no other way that we can reach uh, the end of this life still clinging to Christ. We need the Spirit's work. We need the Comforter to be the one who gives us strength. And so, indeed, never leave until you have the Spirit, until the Spirit is working in you. Chapter 19, the conclusion. What shall we do? Watson begins this chapter. But some may say, We have used this violence for heaven. What remains for us to do? As the people said to Christ, What shall we do? And he gives in this chapter, he, he, he addresses it mainly to three groups of people. First of all, he speaks to the aged and tells them to keep violent till the end. Second, he speaks uh, a word of consolation to those who are practicing violence for heaven by saying, you are in the way of the kingdom. And then finally, he gives a word of comfort to those who find a deadness in their heart uh, to the things of God. And he tells them to look to Christ. So first of all, he speaks to the aged, um, to those who, who, have been, who, who have been violent for heaven um, and are now up there in years and bodies now beginning um, to show the to, to show very clearly the effects of time, right? And, and are not feeling very violent in your physical bodies. And so how, and so what word does Watson have? He says, not only keep up duty, but violence in duty, right? And he says, uh, he says, be not, he says, take heed of declining in your affections. Be not like a body in an atrophy. Be most violent at the last. And this is um, a, a difficult but a powerful word, right? Um, he tells at the end of that paragraph, he says, happy is the man of whom it may be said spiritually, as of Moses literally before his death, that his eyes waxed not dim and his natural force was not abated. So a Christian's force and violence for heaven is not abated. He keeps the best line of his life till last. And I pray, I pray that this would be true of me if the Lord um, does indeed let me see um, old age. And I pray this for 
um, for all those that I know and for all who would be listening to this that are um, um, that are at, in 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 an older age um, that the violence for the kingdom of heaven because of um, because of of, of, of weakness in the body may look different but still give yourself to the king still make yourself violent for the kingdom me and my wife um, we've spoken much um, of this of that we want to train ourselves now um, to be in the to be in to be people of prayer so that um, if the Lord is gracious enough to keep us to where uh, on this earth to where um, our bodies are not of very much earthly good any longer, um, that we have been um, so much in exercise of prayer uh, that, that when we can do little else physically, um, we, now, we now treat the, the last years of our lives as, as, the, as, the, as the time that we have really been preparing for to do true labor in prayer, to spend our time in prayer before the Lord. And so I, and so I would encourage you um, that if you, if you um, find yourself unable to do many things for the Lord physically, um, if you find yourself in that place in, in the last years of life, give yourself over to prayer, to pray violently for the kingdom, pray violently for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And indeed, as Watson said, keep the best wine of your life for last. Mm. The next cat, the next group of people that he speaks to is a consolation to those who are violent. And he says, you are in the way of the kingdom. And I love this. He says, though perhaps you have not a bunch of grapes in the way. He says, by this, I mean that joy, which some meet with. Yet it is cause for happiness. You are in the way. Bless God that while some lie in total neglect of duty, God has given you a heart to seek him. Mm. Mm. May we feel the truth of that. That just because we don't experience, we're not experiencing the joy of salvation for a moment, right? Because again, we go through seasons um, where we feel closer to the Lord and sometimes where we feel more distant from the Lord just because we don't feel that joy in some moments, bless God, because some neglect the duty of seeking the kingdom entirely. But bless God that he has given us a heart to seek, right? And then take comfort in this. He who has made you violent will make you victorious. Mm. Or as he said just a little bit before that, oh, bless God, who raised you off the bed of sloth and stirred up the zeal of your soul for heaven. If you are indeed being violent for the kingdom, if this book has stirred you up in violence for the kingdom, bless God, thank God that he has stirred up your heart and pray God that he would continue, pray to God that he would continue to sustain you. And then finally, he treats one last category of people. He says, but a child of God may say, this is the believer, I fear that I am not one of those violent ones that shall take heaven. I find such a deadness of heart and duty that I question whether I shall ever arrive at the kingdom. And he first 
gives this very wonderful piece of advice that I think that we would all do well um, to, 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 to go to, first of all. He says, the deadness of heart may arise from natural causes. Weakness of body may occasion disposition of mind. Your prayer may be weak because your body is weak. A lute that is cracked cannot send forth so sweet a sound as if it were whole. In other words, your, your body has an effect on your spirit, right? I think it was Spurgeon um, that, that, that taught his students right, that, um, that many, that many uh, mistake spiritual depression for simple constipation, right? And, and I think that that can be very true, right? Um, that sometimes, sometimes the deadness that we feel in spiritual things may come from natural causes. It may be because we don't feel good physically, right? And it's gone, and, 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 and the, the pains of our fear of our of our physical bodies are causing us um, to, to 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 experience a level of deadness um, in our in our of, of dullness of numbness in our spiritual activities, right? And so, um, give yourself a grace if that is the case. But then he also speaks to this. He says, "This disposition of soul perhaps is only casual, or for a, and for a time." It may be a deep fit of melancholy and in desertion. When the sun is gone from our climate, the earth is, as it were, in desertion, and the trees are without blossom or fruit. But this is only for a time. Let but the sun return again in spring, and then the herbs flourish and the trees put forth their fruit. So when God hides his face, there is a deadness upon a Christian's heart. He prays as if he prayed not. Right? It feels like his prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. But let the Son of Righteousness return. Then he is divinely animated and is vigorous and lively in his operation as ever. He then recovers his first love. Hmm. And I love these final words. Hear this. Last words of the book. Therefore, weak Christian, be not discouraged so long as you do not allow yourself in your distemper and so long as a dead heart is your burden. Hmm. And I pray that a dead heart would always be a burden, right? <laughs> would be a burden to us. But here's the final lines of the book. Look to Christ. Look up to Christ, your high priest, who is merciful to bear with your infirmities and is mighty to help them. And oh, brothers and sisters, that is our hope. That is our one hope in getting to heaven, in obtaining the kingdom of heaven. We must indeed be violent. But as we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling, it is Christ who works within us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this concludes Heaven Taken by Storm by Thomas Watson. I pray this book um, has, has stirred up your heart to that holy violence. I pray that it has deepened your relationship to the Lord. It has stirred up your affections for his word pray that it has been a, um, if you are unfamiliar with the Puritans, I pray that it will um, stir up your heart to read more of the Puritans. Uh, they are deep wells of spiritual truth. Um, and if it's, if it's not, if you've already dove into the Puritans before, I pray that it would continue to do so for you. Um, I will, I do plan, uh, we do plan to continue uh, to do 
to read together another book, perhaps in this format, um, perhaps slightly different. Um, at the present, my plan would be to do um, The Mortification of Sin by John Owen, though I am open to further suggestions. And so um, if there is a book that you would like to read together um, next, then please offer me that recommendation. Um, and I will make sure um, that I, I give more of an announcement as time, uh, as time for reading another book together comes closer. And so, but until that day, grace and peace.